Welcome in, everyone, and thank you for listening to the 171st ever episode of the Missouri Sports Podcast, brought to you by 106 Apparel and recording from the Revel Advertising Studio in beautiful Springfield, Missouri. I'm one of your hosts, Cameron Albert, alongside my good friend and fellow Mizzou fan, Kyle DeVries. How are you doing today, Kyle? Doing great, Cam. I think we remember to turn the camera on today, so... It's on. Doing just fine. Yep. How about you? Uh, we called it technical difficulties, Kyle. Oh, was I supposed to pretend like we didn't, like that was just some kind of technical issue out of our control? Yeah, exactly. Okay, my bad. Everybody. Now everybody knows we just forgot to start the camera last week. Oops. Oops. It's okay. They probably skipped the intro anyway, so they didn't hear any of You're that. probably right. Um, Kyle, football season is done. We've got a bowl game to look forward to, um, but we'll talk about the Arkansas game a little bit, kind of do a little bit of a regular season wrap up. We'll probably dive deeper into a full season uh, look back um, a little bit later, and um, but there's it's transfer time, it's coaching carousel, it's recruiting news, signing days coming up. So there's lots of football still to talk about. Um, then we'll jump into basketball and see if we can find anything fun to talk about there. But before we do that, don't forget to subscribe on YouTube. Check out our patreon page missouri sports pod patreon.com slash missouri sports pod and uh shout out to some of our listeners who posted that we were one of their top uh podcasts in their spotify wrapped presentation very cool Mm. obviously a lot of people listen on apple or just watch on youtube or what have you so we appreciate all of our viewers and listeners but that was cool to see some screenshots of people's uh, spotify thing Mm mm-hmm so Kyle, Missouri lost their last game of the football season to Arkansas 34 to 17. Um, I think we can kind of just use the Arkansas game as a way to transition into a little bit of a season wrap up. Um, the offense uh, was still bad. You know, it's been bad for a little while and it was still bad outside of Tyler Beatty. Yeah, the, the whole season just kind of went in like a weird cycle where the defense was atrocious, like starting off the season, the offense was carrying us, and then by the end of the year, it had completely flipped, and I'm not really sure why. <laughs> I'm not really sure what happened, but clearly uh, by the end of the year, uh, the defense was playing confident, and uh, something happened with Connor Bazelak. I don't know if he just wasn't healthy. I, You know, he took some hard hits throughout the year. I don't know if that just kind of compounded and kind of hurt his confidence as he went. I don't know. But something wasn't right about him. Um, I hope that, yeah, I don't know if it was maybe a mixture of that and play calling. I don't know. But there was clearly some issues. And uh, Drink is going to have his, his work cut out for him this offseason, kind of trying to figure out how we're going to improve. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think a, a factor that has to be playing in here somehow is offensive line play. And they have not looked bad. But when you're throwing the ball very quickly, which is something that Connor Bazelak has always done well, um, but when the offense is kind of geared towards these very quick throws um, that don't travel very far, that's going to help the offensive line. It's not going to hurt the offensive line. So I'm not saying that the offensive line was bad. I thought they had a pretty good season overall, but perhaps there was an underlying weakness there that Coach Drinkwitz was trying to avoid by not keeping Bazelak in the pocket too long. Yeah, that's very possible. Um, it just felt like watching that game. Um, you know, in, in early on in the early on in the game, uh, Boo Smith 
was wide open um and he they just missed him and i guess you know maybe this is just a close-minded thought but i just wish they would have taken more shots i guess they just would have tried to create some more opportunities down the field didn't seem like they tried at all it it seemed like early they were willing to a little bit and then it just didn't really work i just thought there were some misses but we saw alabama obviously much better offense than missouri's um just dice the arkansas defense up Mm -hmm. just do whatever they wanted to through the air and you gotta think missouri could do some of that with the athletes we have at receiver um but yeah it was just not really an attempt to do that um Connor Bay's like on the game, 10 for 26, 65 yards, and one interception. It's just awful. And you think about what Tyler Beatty did this year, too. It's even more amazing, actually, probably considering he was like our only weapon that worked. Like, he had 41 carries That's against insane. Arkansas. Yeah. That's ridiculous. Yeah. There's no there's no reason that even like your best player, even like Derrick Henry, should not get 40 carries in a game. It just doesn't make sense. Yeah. And you know the the defense just knows exactly what's coming they can stack the box and tyler Beatty was still efficient and you know what would have made him a lot more efficient is if uh the defense had to respect a passing game yeah but they didn't and i don't know it was just i don't know it was pretty uh it was frustrating to watch and it was it was painful and it was boring and um you know, i felt like the you know i've been a little frustrated with the offense but i felt like the arkansas game was kind of where i just lost it a little bit like yeah. why are we doing what are we doing yeah like what, what are we doing here like just rolling out the same conservative approach same quarterback uh it's not working but we just kept trying it yeah i feel like a broken record but if you're going to play that conservatively why not put in the quarterback that you have the ability to run some option runs with right why are you going to run why are you going to run an rpo with a offense with a with a quarterback that's not a threat to run what's the point of running a, a run pass option if there is not an option I don't it's you know what I mean yeah it's so confusing I just don't get it I think um I think the quarterback position will be a topic of conversation throughout the offseason I think you're right so um we'll, we'll maybe need to table that for right now yeah we could we could really get going if we if we don't <laughs> stop now but I do think it's possible that um Missouri looks at a transfer quarterback this season at uh, this offseason and there's some pretty big names out there that we'll probably talk about in a minute but I I don't know who's going to play quarterback for for Missouri next season, but I hope the coaching staff doesn't know as well. Tyler Beatty, forty-one carries, two hundred nineteen yards, and a touchdown. Just capping off one of the most legendary seasons for any player in Mizzou history. I just can't say enough about how impressive he has been this entire season and to cap it off like this is just really really cool and i especially like the fact that he broke the single season mizzou rushing record without even needing the bowl game so yeah it just makes the record books all that prettier i'm, I'm really gonna miss tweeting how much i love tyler Beatty. yeah that's been a it's been a wonderful thing that i've you might, had the privilege of uh, doing the past you might few get years. to do that on sundays maybe every so. once in a while maybe so um his uh regular season totals 1600 yards rushing on 268 attempts six yards per carry for the whole season his longest rush was 73 yards and he had 14 touchdowns on the ground and he also had the most receptions on the team with uh 54 
and I think maybe yeah, it looks like four more touchdowns through the air. Incredible season. Unbelievable. Looking at some of the other players' uh, season totals, Bazelak uh, finished with about 2,500 yards, uh, 65% completion percentage, not terrible, um, just under seven yards per attempt, 16 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. So obviously that interception number is a little too high. Yeah. But I mean, I need to go back and watch. Again, I don't want to get too hard back into this, but just one more thing. I mean, he really started off the season pretty well. Yeah. Uh, I need to go back and watch the Kentucky game. It's the second game of the year. We scored 28 points or something against Kentucky. You know, it wasn't an amazing offensive performance, but it blew, blew away what we were doing by the end of the year. So I, I need to go back and remind myself of what the offense was doing differently than what they're doing now. He threw the ball 51 times. About 300 yards and four touchdowns. That'll normally get it done. Yeah. Um, looking at their receivers, their year-end totals, um, Towski Dove had 35 receptions. Kiki Chisholm had 36. Dove had 550 yards. No touchdowns for him. Uh, Chisholm, 450 yards and two touchdowns. Yeah, it was a little disappointing, too, just uh, how the wide receivers were used by the end of the year. You know, I think those guys are talented, but they just didn't really get a chance to do anything. Um, they were just getting a, a few targets a game by the end of the year. Yeah. Um, Boo Smith is, uh, had, a, had a pretty interesting season. Honestly, he and J.J. Hester. Uh, Smith with eight receptions on the season for 195 yards. That's good for 24 yards per reception. And then Hester... Uh, one more reception so 21 yards per reception that's pretty good some some big play guys yeah um harrison mevis can't say enough about him perfect 40 for 40 on extra points 20 for 22 on field goals um both of his field goals came in the 40 to 49 yard range he was three for three from 50 plus and we get him for two more seasons he's an nfl kicker right now i think yeah, hopefully we get them. Don't tell anybody. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> do, do Like, what's the... I don't know. Kickers leaving early, is there any precedent for that? I don't think so. I don't, I don't think so either. I don't think they do. I don't think they do that. No. There's been... How many How many kickers have ever been drafted? Like, maybe one or two? Yeah. I don't know. I don't think we got to worry about it. No. Um, so, the offense, I feel like, in the Arkansas game was, like, a perfect microcosm of like the last half of the season basically like since the defense turned it around and started playing better the offense was like okay we'll take a break now basically i mean the first half of the game i mean what was the score 10 to 6 or something yeah. at halftime yeah defense was playing great and at some point you just have to think nothing is going to change this offense isn't going to score they're not putting us in a position to win the game why are we busting our butts yeah and you know it's probably not exactly that that like negative of a of a but when you're out there you know play after play after play just having to go right back out there you know after three and out um, from the offense it's just demoralizing and you just can't keep playing to the best of your ability for a, a full game if you're out on the field the whole time yeah and, and i think even worse than a three and out is how many times missouri's had to settle for field goals in the last four games and they even won some games where they could have had much better margin of victories if they could just convert um, some of those field goals into touchdowns. That was obviously a problem in this one. Uh, their first three scores were field goals. So they were down 
34 to nine uh, till basically a garbage time uh, Tyler Beatty touchdown made it 34 to 17. Um, and then on the flip side, the defense, this was uh, a good game for them. I mean, they, if it's when it's 10 to six at halftime and then your offense doesn't score a touchdown till, you know, there's two minutes left in the game. I don't, you can't really blame the defense for no. the offense really couldn't, couldn't keep the team in the game. Um, but for looking back at like the whole season, just quickly, what a strange season for Missouri's defense. And yeah. there's already been an off season, uh, move that we'll get to later that, um, maybe had everything to do with the defensive turnaround. Yeah. I don't know if that was, uh, I, I, you know, I feel like Steve Wilkes kind of mentioned um, the turning point, just being the players finally understanding the scheme. Uh, maybe that's true to some extent. I also wonder if uh, there were maybe some issues in the locker room with Jethro Franklin because mm-hmm. you just don't usually fire a coach after four games if yeah. there's not something going on even beyond like the bad play in the field like that. He had coached here for four games, like right. something was going on. Yeah. I think in my that's completely speculation, but that's what it feels like to me. Uh, got maybe a problem out of the locker room. Maybe things started to get a little bit better. Martez Manuel was the team's leading tackler, 77 total tackles. He also had the most solo tackles with 60. Um, interestingly, um, Isaiah McGuire led the team in sacks with six. He had, a, he had a pretty good season. He's a good player. I really felt like, um, you know, every, everybody was playing better by the end of the season, but I really felt like Chad Bailey maybe kind of launched the defense to a, a, a next level that they were playing at like he he kind of uh took over some snaps for uh i guess he came in for blaze a little bit but yeah and he was playing he was playing uh just a lot by the end yeah. of the season and that was that was great he was he played really really well yeah for not getting that many snaps early he still finished the team or finished the season fourth on the team in solo tackles and then uh, Jalen Carlisle with four interceptions on the season and Chris Abrams drain with three. Um, there were a couple more that uh, got called back against uh, South Carolina. Yeah. That could have been on there. Yeah. I mean, the future of the defense looks good. I mean, those are, those are all guys that'll be here next year. Um, assuming they don't transfer for whatever reason, but uh, assuming all those guys are, are still here. I mean, the, the defense looks like it has a potential to be pretty good next year. And uh, you know, Jalen Carlisle, I think he maybe, he maybe even has two more seasons. So, um, a lot of good young talent on the defense. Yeah, and I think the special teams all around was yeah. – we didn't have to talk about them too much, so that means they were mostly doing their job well. Yeah. Um, you should basically – when you're talking about, like, special teams, if all you're talking about is that your kicker's good, then you're having a good season. Yeah, no muff punts. Yeah. Uh, Boo Smith was automatic catching yeah. punts. He did a really good job. So, yeah, special teams were great. Uh, Coach Link getting mm-hmm. it done. Um, so Missouri finishes the season six and six overall three and five in the sec. They finish fourth in the sec East behind Georgia, Kentucky, and Tennessee, um, finishing ahead of South Carolina and Florida is always nice. I think, um, I saw CBS sports had Missouri slated to some kind like the lowest tier bowl that a SEC team could be in basically. Yeah. I mean, 13 of 14 SEC teams are bowl eligible. Yeah. That's kind of nuts. Except for Vanderbilt, obviously. But 
I mean, I think I even read that there was a possibility that Missouri could actually be excluded from a bowl game oh if my. like every team got picked above them. Surely that would be an extreme scenario, but I think that that is actually within the realm of possibility. Man, that would be sad. Yeah, I feel like some bowl would definitely rather have Florida than Missouri, though. So that could be exactly that's what I was thinking. Was six win Florida probably st- yeah. you know six win Auburn? Those p- programs probably still get picked ahead of Mizzou. Well, CBS Sports thinks we'll be in the Quick Lane Bowl in Detroit, Michigan. Never heard of that. Against Western Michigan, of all teams. Barely heard of that. And they have Florida in the Boca Raton Bowl against UCF. That would actually be pretty interesting. That would be the bragging rights for the state. Well, yeah. In Florida. Yeah, if if I'm Florida, I don't want to play in that game. Probably not. If I'm Florida, send me to Detroit. (laughs) (laughs) That's scary. Yeah um anything else about the arkansas game we're kind of we're kind of doing arkansas plus uh season roundup just a little bit but Uh, arkansas is kind of an interesting team for the future i you know this is maybe wishful thinking on my part but um you know they've got two great coordinators they have some really great seniors some uh great seniors on defense especially um i felt like there's a chance that arkansas may have kind of a reset year next year i think they could lose some really talented players i mean they still have kj jefferson but they lose Mm -hmm. Traylon burks they lose Grant Morgan, Bumper Pool, all mm-hmm. the, you know some really good seniors. I think it's very possible that Barry Odom could could find a head coaching job somewhere. Um, I think it's possible that Kendall Bryles could move on. Um, I think Arkansas will be an interesting team to watch this offseason and what kind of unfolds with them. Um, it's very possible that they maintain everybody and and they're just status quo next year. But um, I think I would like to see a little bit of movement. Um, right now, they're in the top half of the conference for their 2022 recruiting class so they've got some reinforcements coming but yeah i feel like that may their coordinators are both unique in that they have some both of them have some baggage to overcome and there may be reasons that they aren't um super excited to be head coaches again or uh, for Kendall Bryles, he's never been a head coach, but uh, obviously he has the baggage from uh, Baylor and, you know, his dad. Some so, family stuff. Yeah, so obviously not ideal there. Maybe he doesn't want to be in the spotlight as a head coach and have all that stuff brought up again for whatever school hires him. Um, and Barry Odom, he's I could see him being like, you know what, I'll just be a really good defensive coordinator for a while. Yeah. So... As much I agree with you that I would love to see them move on to other places, especially Barry Odom. I would, you know, I'd be happy to root for him as the head coach of oh, exactly. some other program. I'd be happy if for him to be anywhere else. Yeah. But um, for those reasons, I feel like maybe they will stick around Arkansas for a little while. I think I'd just like to see Sam Pittman without two excellent coordinators. Yeah. Um, I, I think I he's just been great at that CEO role. He lets yeah. the coordinators run the show and he just kind of does his thing. But. Yeah. They seem like a pretty good match right now. They do. Break them up, I say. I say. I, I agree. <laughs> I just stole your take right out from under you. <laughs> um, so we're going bowling. We'll get the details on that soon. Um, I want to mention there's been some all-SEC teams released by different media outlets. I feel like um, we should be putting together our own all-SEC team and then people would be writing articles when we release it because just like every outlet imaginable <laughs> like has their like end of the season all conference teams uh but obviously tyler Beatty has been the number one running back in most uh 
if not all uh, SEC teams that I've seen. Um, Harrison Mevis has been talked about, even though he got snubbed for the national awards. He's been the uh, all-conference kicker. And then Michael Mayetti has been on some all-conference teams as well. So shout out to those guys. Uh, obviously, Tyler Beatty's going to be um, in like the postseason uh, All-American yeah, he'll conversation. Yeah, first-team All-American. It's very possible. So what do you want to talk about first, Kyle? Would you like to talk about the coaching carousel or transfers? Um, we can talk about this. we can talk about transfers. Uh, just talk about uh, a little more Mizzou stuff. Um, you mentioned a couple of staff changes um, mm-hmm. that are going on with, going on with Mizzou. So I guess we'll talk about. Uh, there's been a few guys transfer out of of Mizzou football team, and those guys so far are Jatorian Hansford, Messiah Swenson, Ishmael Burdeen, Chris Sheeran, and Daniel Parker Jr. So, um, you know, a lot of those guys are a little bit older. Um, Daniel Parker Jr. obviously was a senior with a COVID year left, so he's got one more year to go play somewhere. Chris Sheeran kind of got passed up on the depth chart. Uh, Ishmael Burdeen for sure definitely did. With Darius Jackson came on really strong at the end of the year. It looks like he's not giving up that that position um, he's going to be a force going forward Messiah Swinton just could never really get on the field and Jatorian Hansford he, he was probably one of the more uh, impactful names on, on this list um, but even he, he still wasn't starting though at defensive yeah. end right yeah I mean it, those are all kind of just uh, situations that make sense for those yep. guys to move on mm-hmm. um, do you want to mention any potential transfers into the program? Do we know enough about anybody yet to maybe keep an eye out on anyone in particular? Um, a couple of names I wrote down, and this isn't necessarily Mizzou related, but just some interesting names that are in the portal that you might recognize. One is Jafar Armstrong. Mm-hmm. He started his career at Notre Dame as a running back and actually played quite a bit mm-hmm. and then ended up transferring to Illinois, played like one game at Illinois. I don't. I think he played like three offensive snaps on the entire season. So I don't believe he'll be coming to Missouri, but just still kind of an f- interesting name to watch. One that came out today is Adrian Martinez, who is a quarterback at Nebraska. Um, had a really good season. Had a good career there. Um, Cameron, I don't know if you want to add anything about Adrian Martinez. You probably watched it more than me. I mean, not really. His stats were awesome. Maybe don't look at the turnovers, mm-hmm. but some of the intangibles maybe weren't quite there with him but he's a he's he's a a talented player that missouri recruited out of high school and um if missouri's looking for a transfer quarterback this offseason that might be a name to watch uh another name that uh, actually coach drinkwitz follows this person on twitter is spencer rattler (laughs) and he is transferring from oklahoma so i don't know if any of those names are are all that relevant but i feel like both of those quarterbacks will be heading home uh i think uh, Martinez is from California. Uh, Spencer Rattler's from Arizona. So I could see maybe them wanting to go back home for their uh, remaining or however much time they're going to spend in college. Yeah. Um, I had a name here. Let me see. That was linked to Missouri, and that was uh, Syracuse tight end Landon Morris. Hmm. He didn't play. He's a freshman who was didn't play this season. Um, so it was just reported that Missouri had reached out to him. Interesting. Um, and then I thought it was worth mentioning, uh, Antonio Doyle. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a possibility, I guess. Yeah, that's still a possibility, uh, transfer from Texas A&M. Yeah. Originally um, from Missouri. Another guy that Missouri did have an in-home visit with is 
Marcus Banks, who is a cornerback transfer from Alabama. Mm. And he did play quite a bit at Alabama, just never quite broke the starting lineup, which is probably pretty common for a lot of talented players at Alabama. Yeah. Um, let's. Do you have anything else on transfers? We'll touch on recruiting uh, real quick. Yeah. Um, it's definitely recruiting season. High school recruiting. High school recruiting yeah. and just, um, yeah. But uh, signing day is December 15th. That is a couple weeks away. So obviously the coaches are going to try and get some in-home visits with, with a bunch of players in the coming weeks. They're going to try and make sure that all the current commits stay on board. Um, I don't really think that there's anybody – on my mind that I'm afraid of jumping ship at this point, which that's which is that's pretty a rare. little bit rare. Yeah, yeah. Normally, there's at least a couple of players we're just praying to get to signing day with them, yeah. and you know anything can happen in in recruiting. But it seems like they've been getting the recruits together for events. Yeah, like there were uh, recruits like on site for Luther Burden signing. They've been you know getting together for just like yeah. Uh, I think all the Kansas City guys were together the other night. There was four or five guys that are from Kansas City that are current commits. So. So it seems like the staff is doing a good job of building, you know, that kind of uh, brotherhood mentality amongst them. Yeah. Um, yeah, just a rapid fire. I guess I'll kind of throw out some names to you guys just to keep an eye on. Um, Chase Biddle is a safety. He was uh, committed to SMU. He's a four-star guy, and he's just recently decommitted from SMU. He's been tweeting about Mizzou a little bit, and then he has a, a visit to Mizzou on December 10th. So that is probably one of the higher priority, like high school guys you want to keep an eye on is Chase Biddle. And we'll have him on campus right before National Signing Day. Correct. Uh, Zion Young is a defensive end from Atlanta. Um, Al Davis had an in-home visit with him recently. He was committed to West Virginia previously. Uh, Demetrius Hunter is a pretty interesting name, and he is a four-star offensive lineman who from Texas who was committed to Oklahoma, just recently decommitted with everything that's going on there. He's actually the cousin of current Mizzou commit Marcus Scott, and he's the cornerback who was committed to LSU. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he, so he's going to visit Mizzou pretty soon. I'm not sure. I don't know if I have a date on that one. but And uh, Scott and his mom have both been yes. tweeting like, hey, let's join up. Exactly. So that's, that's another one definitely to keep an eye on. He's a four-star offensive lineman. Uh, Jeffrey Mimba. Mm-hmm is a juco defensive tackle from independence community college he recently named a top five of mizzou miami tennessee auburn and oregon and i think he's pretty widely considered one of the better juco defensive linemen on the market still so that would be that would be huge Jaden harris is a cornerback from georgia he had an in-home visit with steve wilkes uh, and charlie harbison recently it was a couple nights ago and then dj weslack named a top eight of now <laughs> listen to these schools yep mizzou alabama lsu usc georgia oregon north carolina and penn state that's a pretty There's some big program unbelievably <laughs> elite list of schools there yeah um wait uh so did you say clemson no clemson's not in his top eight okay so of course he has had an, the absolute strangest recruitment ever i still think missouri's in a great spot to land he, DJ he, he was considered just like pencil him into Clemson for a really long time for like a year and there was like crystal ball predictions Clemson, Clemson basically Clemson. anywhere not Missouri like anywhere on the coasts just get me out of yeah. Missouri was basically his recruitment this time last year but uh things change things change and uh we'll take him for sure um was that your last one uh just one more okay. is uh Dion Walker he's the 
offensive lineman from Cast Tech in Michigan, and I think he is. I think they had an in-home with him recently. So as we speak right now, Missouri sitting at fifth in the SEC according to 24/7 Sports for the 2022 recruiting class. Now that is above LSU and Florida. So it's Georgia, Alabama, Texas A&M, Kentucky, Missouri. Didn't Mark Stoops just get an extension? He sure did. <laughs> He's living the dream. Yeah. yeah, absolutely living the dream. Yeah. His name was like kind of uh, out there as far as some of these bigger uh, coaching jobs. But I mean, that's the appeal of, uh, of a school like Kentucky. I mean, I'd even throw Missouri in there. Yeah. If you can win seven to nine games a year, you're never getting yeah. fired yeah. at a place like Kentucky. You're, you're a legend. If you can get to the point where, you know, yeah, over uh, at Missouri, like are people going to be mad at I hope are people not. gonna be mad at me if I say if you can average average eight wins a year at Missouri? No, I think that's just that's, rational. I, okay. I I think if you can win eight games a year, you're gonna have maybe a couple years that you're winning six or seven. Yeah. You're gonna have a few years that maybe you're winning nine or ten. But yeah, if you're just consistently winning eight games a year, yeah. I don't if, think people yeah. are gonna get tired of you at Missouri. Six and six with a bowl game is your floor. That's workable yeah. if the ceiling is 10 wins. Basically yeah. Gary Pinkle. Yeah, I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, every year, give me like... I hope that wasn't blasphemy for anybody out there, but... I mean, I think, I feel like the reaction to that would be more like, no, we should require more of our coach than even what Gary Pinkle was able to do, which I disagree, respectfully. <laughs> Um, Missouri fifth in the SEC, thirteenth in in the nation, recruiting class twenty twenty two as of right now. With pretty uh, unprecedented, yeah, for Missouri. With improvements, obviously, uh, a lot of these schools in the top twenty five are going to add a few pieces right yeah. here at signing day. But uh, if Missouri can grab a couple more four stars, yeah, and some of the then, transfers and stuff won't factor into the recruiting right. rankings and stuff. So that, that won't really impact it, but Juco it Juco commits, I think would on 24 seven, but yeah, like a, just a regular incoming transfer wouldn't. Um, I, I'm, I'm very excited for signing day. If we can add two more four star players to this class, that's, it'll be hard to beat that. Seems I mean, pretty likely even for Drinkwitz, like the rest of his Missouri career, I feel like, he'll always potentially always be looking back at this class as his best yeah if we can get to the point where i mean not everybody's going to work out that's how recruiting works um when you look back at recruiting classes from a few years ago four or five maybe not five stars they usually work out but you know upper three star four star players not all those guys work out it's just how it goes and that's going to happen with this recruiting class too missouri's going to get in some four star guys that just probably never make a huge difference but if you can get to the point where you have enough four-star, five-star players that you can afford to have some of those guys not work out, that's where you want to be. Yeah. Yeah, the top schools don't need everybody to be a hit. Um, speaking of top schools, there were some top schools making coaching changes, and that has been pretty exciting, Yeah, if I do say so myself. Um, Notre Dame, Oklahoma, USC, LSU. Now, I mentioned those four schools and it's just two guys that we are really going to talk about but kind of a um, domino effect though yeah. where these you know these destination schools if you will are the coaches of these destination jobs are are choosing better schools like you know what do they yeah. call it stepping, stepping stone st- stepping stone you know? yeah 
<laughs> but um, that impacts a place like Missouri because we're going to have some players decommit and yeah. um, some players transfer that Missouri will want to keep an eye on. Whether they you know have uh, good connections or are able to land any of these guys is a completely different thing. But when there's a little bit of chaos at the very top of the sport and you have some stability from your like a little bit lower perch, that's good for the Missouri-type programs. Yeah, I feel like Oklahoma fans are in their darkest days of their entire lives right now with Seriously. like Lincoln Riley, uh, you know, picking somebody else yeah. and them losing so many of their commits and yeah. some of their players have, have transferred. And they're headed to tougher competition in the, the SEC. SEC yeah. uh, their coach quit on them, basically. Yeah, which I absolutely don't blame him. I mean, I, I can I go back and forth on like, taking the coach's side versus the player's side and like it's very easy for people to that are not part of these programs to you know come up with assumptions and things from the outside but um and obviously it's never going to be i mean think about like when you when anybody like quits their job or gets fired or whatever it's always awkward there's always like situations um that are going to be rough to deal with and I would not want to be a coach who's having to explain to my team that I'm leaving for a different job. But yeah. if that other job was paying me a hundred million dollars, yeah, like over uh, the course of a few years, yeah, Brian Kelly's getting like ten million dollars a year. Oh yeah, including incentives to go coach at LSU. And I would maybe make the argument that that was not the greatest hire by LSU. Am I crazy in thinking that? I don't think it's a great fit. Yeah. I mean, Kelly, Brian Kelly is like straight up like Midwestern guy who I think he coached at central Michigan and then Cincinnati and then Notre Dame. Mm -hmm. So like he's barely left like a, you know, 300 mile radius in his head coaching career. He'll be like gumbo. Um, yeah. What was I going to say? Sorry. No, you're good. Link, uh, I was going to interrupt you. It, Brian Kelly, I feel like it might just go up in flames at LSU. Like, surely there's enough talent there. He's a good enough coach. But, like, I don't know. They couldn't do it with, like, the the true son coach, uh, like, Ed Odron. And he won a national championship. And they were like, okay. I don't know if that was just him kind of resting on his laurels and figuring, well, I won a yeah. national championship. I'm good. I'm set for life. I think he was doing some kind of strange stuff off the field too is what it sounded like but yeah that's true um yeah i mean look at dan mullen he uh has a couple good years at at florida uh has a disappointing end to this season he gets paid 12 million dollars to just leave and i don't know it's like a you can't really blame these guys like if they can put up with being made fun of on online for a few weeks uh they just take their bag of money and walk like i you know i think they're gonna be okay uh, you just can't really blame Lincoln Riley sometimes for wanting to, you know, go to USC. He's just there has, I mean, he just hasn't made. He's set for life. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, I, I, I can't blame him at all. I mean, it seems like a perfect fit, and like a bunch of his Oklahoma recruits are from Southern California. Yep. He's bringing so, them with him, probably. Yeah. Um, yeah. Speaking of Florida, though, they hired um, Louisiana's head coach Billy Napier, who was actually a name that um, some Mizzou fans uh, were interested in. Before Drinkwitz was hired, um, he's only Napier has only had more successful seasons at Louisiana, and now will be taking his talents to Florida, which um, is that. I mean, that is a um, position that I've heard Barry Odom could be fit for because 
I think he goes back with their AD um, that's currently there, so might be something to watch there. But like uh, taking Billy Napier's draft. Yes. Oh, I got you at uh, Louisiana. Oh uh, yeah, that would be interesting. Um. Anyways, but um, Dan Mullen. I was seeing if there's any rumors about where he might end up. Um, he is rumored to be maybe being discussed as the next Auburn offensive coordinator because they moved on from uh mike bobo oh yes i heard that yeah mike friend, bobo. friend of the show mike bobo oh um, man i miss talking about him yeah uh so dan mullen might be replacing him there's another name that's been linked to that job and that is one thomas herman what's he doing now is he just out of the game for a year i'm gonna find out but uh mike bobo yeah. was only there for one year i think correct it was a little bit of an experiment is the way I understand reading a few things and it just didn't work out. Sounds like it. Yeah. This has been one of the craziest coaching carousels ever. Uh, Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. Can't remember his defense, his name didn't hire their defensive coordinator. Yeah. Um, that's got it. That's just a move to keep everybody on board. That's what it, it seemed like a knee jerk reaction to keep the recruiting class on board. We'll see if, see how it works out for him. Yeah. I mean, they are looking at, a good situation as far as like their current players and the recruits coming in to be, you know, top 10, like championship contending team for the next three or four seasons. I definitely thought that they would give a look at Cincinnati's coach though. Absolutely. Luke Fickle is his name. He seemed like a natural fit. Yeah. Especially considering, uh, that was the exact same like progression that, uh, Brian Kelly went through. Yeah. Um, Tom Herman is an offensive analyst for the Chicago bears currently i think i knew that i think we've talked about bears are awful so so he might be coming to the sec great be interesting um let's see any other steve sarkeesian's really done great at texas he's done great things yeah i think they were like five and seven they're gonna keep him around i think i don't think they have to yeah at least for a little longer they can't just keep cycling through big name coaches like every single year Uh, but he kind of inherited a mess i believe i don't i think Tom Herman was not running a tight ship at Texas and Steve Sarkeesian may not be either. I don't know, but we'll see how that works out. Um, did you mention Missouri's coaching changes or no, I haven't. Yet. Okay. Well take it away. Uh, just found out today, literally news came out almost at the same time that Missouri is going to promote Al Davis to full-time defensive line coach and he took over for Jethro Franklin after four games uh almost immediately the defensive line was better uh that's great news uh not so great news Casey Woods um the the tight end coach and recruiting coordinator is going to be the new offensive coordinator at SMU Mm. so good for him that's an upgrade but for sure uh really liked him and I thought he did a I I thought he was doing a good job yeah I mean I think that tells you something yeah like tight ends coach you don't it's hard to say exactly like what's what you're seeing on the field um that goes back to that position but anytime you have like a position coach being hired away to a coordinator spot they were doing a pretty good job yeah and it's also a possibility that messiah swinton and daniel parker jr knew that their coach was leaving too so that I, that's uh, of course speculation but they're they're both leaving as well so. yeah 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 losing a position coach and the two i guess you'd consider well, Nico Hay, but, um, you know, two of the top three on the depth chart at that position, not necessarily surprising. Um, who was the player that was tweeting out, like, basically, 
insinuating like I'm ready to take this uh, starting job. Probably um, Ryan Horst camp. Yes. So I'm, that was good to see. He, he was a he was a big time recruit. Yeah. So and he's basically on Twitter indicating like, all right, it's my time. I'm ready for it. So hopefully, he will succeed there. We're desperate for a good tight end. Yeah, I mean, just <coughs> if you could like put Nico Hay and uh, Daniel Parker Jr. together into one tight end, I think that w- that would be what I'm looking for as far as like Nico production. Hay had a great game against Florida. Yeah. Um, people have said on Twitter that Coach Drinkwitz's offenses have never really emphasized the tight end, but I feel like he will. He likes to get the ball to whoever can uh, do something with it. So. <laughs> yeah. I don't think he'll discriminate against the tight end. Um, were there any other crazy coaching stuff? I, it's been pretty crazy, but it has been crazy. Who's Who's Oklahoma going to hire? I don't know. I guess they could go after Luke Fickle. They could. Um, I think I we saw something weird about maybe one of Oklahoma's DB coaches, like recruiting for oh yeah USC yeah. and Oklahoma. He like visited a. Um, recruit with Bob Stoops, who's kind of like acting as like head coach. Like he, Bob Stoops, Bob Stoops is like back in with Oklahoma, being like an interim head coach. Basically, I think they just brought him in to like just keep to, the recruiting class together or to, something. Just make everybody feel good, just to coddle the fan base. But I think people were speculating that he might actually return and be the head coach. I don't know, but I don't feel like that would be the best move but who knows i suppose it's possible yeah so uh lincoln riley might start off his career with some coaching violations and or something recruiting violations whatever that would if they they find a way to prove that that actually happened yeah that's so strange but he this like assistant coach what he was still employed by oklahoma Mm -hmm. was probably knew he was maybe going to go out to usc and was already recruiting players for usc before he was officially hired there that's so bizarre yeah what are you gonna do what are you gonna do um might as well just cheat right yeah they're not getting anybody in trouble will wade still coaches at lsu just go ahead and cheat yeah it seems like it um, fly and deny yeah that's what that's what kansas does <laughs> uh producer cameron you want to give us an update on sec pick'em plus nebraska no uh, <laughs> <laughs> um we decided we are going to pick the sec bowl games as the final hurrah last chance for us to beat the patreon guest pickers is that what we're going with might as well um, i feel like we don't deserve it let's go through this and then we can decide okay okay sounds good Alrighty. last week our guest picker was parker uh, well i'm just gonna go to the season totals let's, this let's is a freaking it. disaster okay all right last Pretty place sure. me <laughs> 59 points. Okay. <laughs> Third place, Kyle, 65 points. Okay. Actually, technically second place. Also second place, Cameron, 65 points. Ooh. Oh, we tied. Guest pickers, 78 points. Oh, we're, we're not doing gosh. guest pickers anymore. Next year, no more <laughs> guest pickers. Too good. <laughs> he wants to Park, retire. If you were wondering, Parker got... Perfect. So, oh my goodness, how tw- many points? Twelve points. Producer Cameron's oh. just fed up over here. <laughs> Kyle got nine. You got six. At I his got wit's end. Four. Yeah, just uh, you know, uh, an assortment of folks just beating us at a, literally a game we invented, <laughs> <laughs> getting themselves on the trophy that we got for ourselves. 
Yeah. Congratulations. So they're going to have a spot right here. Uh, the ingrained and yeah, it'll, best it'll, of kingdom come. It'll be on this desk for as long as we do the podcast, which is until we die. So <laughs> wow. congratulations. I don't know that we can fit that many things on here. We'll have to go up the side, I yeah, guess. Yeah, they said we could move it to the side after we run out of room. Yeah. You just stick one right here on the football. Mm-hmm. Well, congratulations to the Patreon guest pickers. Uh, well, all that to say... They're up by 13 points. There's not really any reason for us to pick the rest. Let's just call it. We don't have to think about it anymore. I think it's done. Move on with our lives. Congratulations. Congrats, guys. They did it. They pulled it off. I, now, producer Cameron is legitimately not happy for you guys. <laughs> I Let it be known, I am happy for you. I'm still a little bit mad about JD and... Yeah because he had like the greatest week of all time but for the most part if it was close though i mean parker would have just taken it all this week Mm -hmm. they earned it fair and square and that's what we get for for picking nebraska yep that's true see you next year i'm not picking nebraska next year no please never uh congratulations we'll see you on the gridiron um let's switch gears talk about basketball if we dare should be quick do you dare kyle I'll indulge. Uh, Missouri lost to Wichita State 61 to 55, and then they beat Paul Quinn 91 to 59. Um, Who? Paul Quinn. They're an NAIA school, and one I'll guy, just, right? One person. I'll just say it. They are a basketball team that Missouri never should have been playing. Um, I don't understand this at all. I don't understand understand scheduling this opponent it's they're an NAIA school and if Missouri could have learned anything from this game if they could have built um something if they could have put something out in this game to build upon in future games then I wouldn't have a problem with this but what I saw was Missouri try to run their offense and still not make shots and then just have to rely on dominating one-on-one matchups specifically kobe brown basically doing whatever he wanted the entire game against just inferior athletes and that's how missouri was able to pull away i would like to say that missouri was just like a better team with a better game plan and they just you know took care of business and a 91 to 59 score might make you think that that's what happened. But I don't know. I still thought I still thought Missouri's offense was ugly. I thought they should have I thought they should have been able to execute and score points in the flow of their normal offense and I don't know. I just think the way that they played if they did the same thing against an SEC school they're just not going to be successful. Like the only reason they had shots that were as open as they were was because of the inferior athletes playing defense. Yeah. It still took them like 10 minutes to like break the tie. I mean, they were just at the beginning of the game. Um, Yeah. Just still could not do what they wanted to do offensively. Sometimes it didn't look like they were running good offense they were standing around still missing yeah, open and, shots and they would swing the ball around the perimeter for an open three but it wasn't like it was just seemed like very um 
can't come up with the right word, but it still seemed like slow paced. It still, still seemed kind of like plodding along, um, very deliberate passing around the perimeter to get to an open three. Mm -hmm. And that's just not going to work against better teams. You can't just like have these very deliberate kind of slow passes around the perimeter. The guy that's going to take the shot is going to be covered if you're playing against a, a fast, uh, team with, you know, longer wingspan and all the kind of stuff that you're going to do when you play good opponents. Yeah. Uh, shockingly, I agree with you. I think this game was meaningless. I think it was almost detrimental because, uh, <clears throat> Missouri's got open shots in this game. Like you said, they've got open shots in this game that aren't going to be there against anybody else on the, on the entire, entire schedule. Um, it's almost detrimental because you've got guys thinking they're going to have this shot open. Yeah next game against liberty and it's not going to be there no and i don't know i just i i understand you know balancing your schedule with you know they have a really tough non-conference schedule i understand that they play kansas they play illinois they play some really really great teams and you have to balance that with some easy wins well there's probably no easy wins on missouri schedule no matter who they're playing but it just can't be an naia school in my opinion (laughs) like yeah, play some some bottom tier Division One teams, but I just don't I I don't know about NAI Paul Quinn. Sorry, Kyle. I just I just pulled up. <laughs> I already know what you're gonna say. Yeah, I told Kyle not to do. Cameron it. tried to warn me while you <laughs> were talking like, earlier. No. Okay, so it's Thursday. It's Thursday evening. Uh, Missouri's currently playing Liberty, and the score right now is twenty to five Liberty. Um, we're obviously not watching it. We just checked the score. But whatever the uh, whatever the under is in this game, we, we recommend. Hopefully you took it. Um, Missouri is going to probably not crack 50 points. This is going to be a plodding, slow-paced game with a bunch of missed shots. Unless it's, li- unless it's Liberty. It sounds like they're shooting all right. Um, yeah. I'm going to have to like pull myself together to finish this episode. I shouldn't have looked. You're surprised? <laughs> I'm not surprised. I'm just feeling just sad. not happy. Uh, about the basketball team and thankfully uh there's no other thursday night games on the schedule so we won't be uh, in a weird situation with scheduling where we can't actually um cover the game properly but uh, early in the season with like tournaments and weird stuff there's always this always happens but it's such a helpless position to be in because we've talked about the coaching situation we know there's not going to be a change made this year and next year there's a very good chance we're just running it back next year with the same coaching staff and all that stuff and uh it just feels a little helpless yeah i mean one senior uh is scheduled to move on right javon pickett that's it yep so um i mean literally running it back with the entire same roster plus aiden shaw as a freshman we play kansas in about a week and a half that'll be fun at kansas um before that they do get to play eastern illinois uh, Eastern Illinois is currently ranked 348th in Ken Palm. Uh, That's got to be almost last place, right? 348 out of 358. Oh so 10 spots from the bottom. That's um, ways down there. I looked at Eastern Illinois' schedule. So far, their only win on the season is against Division Three Rockford University. Um, so they lost to 320-ranked Central Michigan um and 323rd ranked northern illinois doesn't missouri played both of those teams uh no missouri played yeah that's very strange missouri beat central michigan and northern illinois 
So this should be a cakewalk against Eastern Illinois. It's almost like playing Paul Quinn. Yeah. Um, Yeah, not not quite. Uh, The uh, Eastern Illinois already beat the equivalent of Paul Quinn in Rockford, uh, 96 to 64. Um, They're 353rd on offensive efficiency, uh, according to Ken Palm. So, uh, again, look for a pretty low-scoring game. Uh, But that one, I would hope uh, Missouri comes out on top. Um, what what do we do about this basketball season? I don't know. We we play Kansas. We play Illinois. We just hope that they somehow get better. I don't think that's going to happen though. Um, I mean, there is the fact that Georgia, who is uh, like 160th in Ken Palm, just knocked off top 30 team Memphis. Iowa State end up being better than we thought they were, and they just landed uh, that transfer, yeah, like Trey King or something. Yeah, yeah so they're gonna be they're gonna be good. So I mean, I was thinking it more like Georgia shows that you can still beat good oh. teams even if you're bad. Okay, but also you could look at it as maybe Missouri loses all the rest of their games except uh, Eastern Illinois. Okay, let me ask you something. If uh, you could have the scenario where if Missouri beat Kansas they would lose every other game in the rest of the schedule. Would you take that? If they beat Kansas, they have to lose every other game for the remainder of the season. The other option is I just take it however it may come. Yes. Uh, and I would 100% Easily. take beating Kansas. Because <laughs> it's very possible it happens anyway. Yes, exactly. Like Missouri's after this, uh, after this Eastern Illinois game, Missouri will not be favored in another game until hopefully the last game of the season against Georgia at home. So, yeah, uh, I mean, a loss to Missouri for Kansas would, like, knock them, like, down two seeds in the NCAA tournament, especially at, uh, at Kansas. So. I'll ask you one more question. Okay. And then I'll hang up and listen. All right. Does Conzo Martin want to win? <sighs> now, that's cheating. You're cheating. Because I, I already told you uh, my theory about this. Um, I guess we're getting into it. I think it's possible that Conzo Martin has reached a uh, stage in his coaching career where he is less concerned now, there may be some listeners that are just like, yeah, duh, where have you been? But where he's less concerned about winning basketball games as he is uh, developing the character of the student athletes uh, that are under his tutelage at Missouri. And that's commendable to an extent. Like you want to, he, it's been very transparent with the idea that he wants to um, not only coach these guys on the basketball court, but uh, help them develop into, you know, uh, men that he will be proud to whatever, whatever. Um, but if that's coming at the expense of doing your job as the head basketball coach, then, but also none of it matters because of his contract. Like this is, this is bad. Like, oh man, it, I'm getting worked up. It really does almost feel like He's so interested in just getting a good group of guys 
that enjoy being together and want to develop them as men that it's almost like it's winning a secondary yeah potentially that's an extreme opinion potentially but it almost feels that way sometimes yeah and i think it the way it seems some of the time is that there's just like this connection that he has with a certain type of player and a certain personality that he gravitates towards and he sees them as the type of person that he can kind of take under his wing and you know develop them into the best person they can be off the court and we've seen players transfer out of the program i mean obviously the easiest example to point to is xavier pinson because this team as currently constructed for missouri is lacking a point guard is lacking an experienced point guard who can run the offense and pinson is starting at lsu and we know the only reason he left missouri was because of a personality conflict with conzo martin and you know we've seen other talented players come and go uh blake harris now he was a more uh, unique situation because the only reason he came to missouri was because uh, michael porter jr but trey jackson yeah he's not a point guard but right um yeah there's just this weird vibe of like it doesn't really matter now every coach is going to be like this to an extent it doesn't matter how talented you are if you're not going to buy into our program and you know respect the coaching staff or whatever you're looking for then it's not going to work out and you have to go somewhere else but it seems like this program is at a point where the talent level is irrelevant and the thing that is most important is this ability to get the most out of these guys off the court and i can't even say that that's an awful thing right but when i want missouri basketball to win games it doesn't it doesn't work for me is that what you wanted me to say i think that sums it up pretty well (laughs) i it's it's, you, um, you baited me into that. I did, and I, I, I did it on purpose. But <laughs> I felt like you had a, an interesting thought that was worth sharing. And you know what? Um, Conzo Martin gets paid a lot of money. I think he is. Uh, I think he can take criticism, and that's part of the job. And whenever the team is as bad as it is, I think we're. I think we're perfectly reasonable to assume like like it's okay for us to ask what's going on here. Yeah. Why is the talent level so low? Why can nobody make a basket? Where's that? Why don't we have a point guard? Do you care about winning? Right. <laughs> and um, maybe that's a completely ridiculous question, but please let us know. Let, let us, us know, know uh, more than ever. Let us know in the comments. Is this like ridiculous or is this like so obvious? Like, are you going to say like, welcome to the party? We've been thinking about this. We've been thinking this for a long time. Um, let us know what you think. Cause it's definitely, a weird spot to like have to question the staff to this level why i mean no staff changes in like five years or four years that's that's rare that yeah. never happens yeah um and like they keep trying to run this point forward offense where they want the four spot to control the offense and run it through them when they don't always have the personnel for it and they just kind of force it into being. And this season, 
I think they actually have the personnel for it to some extent with Kobe Brown and uh, Boogie Coleman, but um, neither one of them are good enough at it to just forgo a traditional point guard. All right, now uh, it sounds like Amari Davis is playing some point guard, so I don't know. I I mean, that's fine. I you gotta it might as well go through the entire roster and let everybody have a shot at it and see who can do it. I guess. We're, we're at that point. Yeah. I didn't mind watching Kobe Brown play uh, uh, with all the freshmen. I was like, yeah, whatever. Like, Yeah. See what they can do. Yeah. <laughs> they were playing with good energy. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't think it's the player's fault uh, necessarily that uh, Missouri is as bad as they are and going to be as bad as they are this season. I think the, the roster construction leaves a lot to be desired. Um, anything else this week? I think that's it. All right. That's it for me. Yeah, that's all I got. Uh, special thank you to our Patreon supporters at the $10 level and above. Britt Treese, Brian Smith, Ryan Lee, Tristan, Ben Smith, Parker, Daddy JD, Lewis Hernandez, and Tim Keens. Thank you, gentlemen. Uh, you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. We're on Twitter at Mizzou Sports Pod, and you can email us at MissouriSportsPod at gmail.com. Thank you, gentlemen. You can find our t-shirts and stickers on our online shop, missourisportspod.bigcartel.com. Thank you, gentlemen. It's now 28-7 to 7 Liberty. Missouri's 1-14 for 14 from the field. 7%. We'll see you next week. After a loss. <laughs>